48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. The MTR gives more details of the metal barrier that hit a train on Sunday, causing major disruption on the Chunwan line. A think tank warns that a proposed change to the threshold for compulsory land sales could lead to more historic buildings being destroyed. And the head of NATO says preliminary analysis of a missile strike in Poland Poland indicates it was probably caused by Ukraine's air defences. The MTR says the metal barrier which hit a train at Yamate Station on Sunday was 2.4 metres high and 7 metres long. Tony Lee, the company's operations director, made the revelation at a press briefing where he also said a panel had been set up to look at what dislodged it. The incident caused major service disruption on the Chunwan line. Mr Lee didn't comment on whether human error might have been involved, saying only that local and overseas experts would help in the probe, which he expects to take two months. Our investigation will cover mainly on this mounting integrity, on its maintenance arrangement, on its wear and tear and its usage, and also look into the original design intent to find out the exact root cause of the instance and take appropriate action accordingly. Meanwhile, the government said that, as requested, the MTR has supplied a preliminary report on the incident and has to submit a detailed report no later than January 12th. The government says it's looking to table a bill in LegCo in the latter half of next year that would lower the threshold for compulsory land sales. In the chief executive's policy address last month, it was proposed that developers would in future have to acquire at least 70% of a block instead of 80% to be able to redevelop a building that's 50 years old or more. Brian Wong, a member of the think tank LIBOR research community, said he's worried that some buildings with historic value may be knocked down as a result. For example, in Namcot Road, there are a few old tenement buildings, historic buildings that are at least 80 years old. And they are the, maybe the only remaining few of its kind in Hong Kong. And many of them have not yet been graded, which means there is only administrative grading to them, which does not provide a guarantee that they will be preserved. Turning overseas, the head of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, has said preliminary analysis of the missile strike in eastern Poland indicates it was probably caused by Ukraine's air defences. Speaking to reporters in Brussels, he said it was not Ukraine's fault as it was trying to protect itself from Russian bombardment. We have no indication that this was the result of a deliberate attack. And we have no indication that Russia is preparing offensive military actions against NATO. Our preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile fired to defend Ukrainian territory against Russian cruise missile attacks. The U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has called on Ukraine's allies to do more to strengthen its air defense systems a day after Russia's biggest bombardment yet of the country's energy infrastructure. Russia is facing setback after setback on the battlefield, and Russia is putting Ukrainian civilians and civilian infrastructure in its gun sites. Both of these things only deepen the resolve of this contact group, and they only intensify Ukraine's determination. The Kremlin may hope that more bombardment will break the resolve of the Ukrainian people, but ordinary Ukrainian citizens have responded with the magnificent defiance that the world now knows so well. The G20 summit has approved a final declaration saying most members strongly deplored Russia's aggression on Ukraine but also stressed disagreements. 
The document said the conflict was causing immense human suffering and damaging the global economy and that many participants wanted Russia to withdraw from Ukraine unconditionally. But it added that there were also other views and assessments of the situation. The Indonesian host Joko Widodo said all participants had agreed on the communique. Russia took part in the meeting. Kuwait has carried out its first executions in five years, hanging seven people, including two women, despite pleas for clemency from international rights campaigners. According to public pros- the Public Prosecution Service, those put to death include people from Ethiopia, Syria and Pakistan. And a quick look at the weather. Mainly cloudy with one or two light rain patches at first tomorrow and sunny intervals with temperatures ranging between 23 and 26 degrees. Moderate easterly winds fresh offshore to begin with and the outlook sunny periods in the following couple of days. Currently 24 degrees Celsius, the relative humidity is 81%. You're tuned to RTHK, the time is 5 minutes past 11. Sports official Ronnie Wong says junior staff should not be given solemn tasks such as playing national anthems. The Honorary Secretary-General of the Sports Federation and Olympic Committee of Hong Kong also does not accept the explanation from Asia Rugby that an intern made an honest mistake when playing the wrong song in South Korea over the weekend. A song associated with violent protests in 2019 was played instead of the national anthem at the Asia Rugby Sevens in Incheon. Mr Wong told a radio program that both Asia Rugby and the events Korean hosts should be held accountable for the blunder. Flag raising and singing the national anthem are very serious matters. How can it be possible to search and download a song casually on the internet? With how South Korea handled the national anthem and the national flag, should it still take on these large-scale tournaments? Turning overseas, members of Twitter's now disbanded curation team have told the BBC they're worried that misinformation will spread more quickly around the world. They say there's an increased risk that Twitter users will be able to manipulate the platform to promote lies. All of the curation teams were removed last week by Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk. The BBC's Hannah Gelbert reports. Until last week, teams monitored content throughout the world, looking for misinformation, giving context to misleading posts and directing users to reliable sources. All of that is now gone. Former team members told the BBC they were particularly active around elections, understanding the nuance of what was being said locally and able to anticipate what misinformation might come up. Digital information experts have said the loss of the unit will have a tremendous impact on disinformation on the site. With one warning, things are about to get ugly. Donald Trump says he'll run for the White House again in 2024. The 76-year-old, who still refuses to admit he lost the last election, told supporters in Florida that the goal was to make America glorious again. Mr Trump is defying an adverse mood against him among some fellow Republicans following the party's poorer-than-expected results in last week's midterm elections. The Republican congressman Mo Brooks was an ally of Mr Trump, but he's recently distanced himself from the former president. He said standing for the presidency in 2024 would be a mistake. If Donald Trump wants to put America first, he will not run for the presidency because he maximizes the chances of the Democrats winning the House, the Senate, and the White House in 2024. We need a standard bearer who has much better integrity, whose character is much higher, and who can win or lose races based on public policy positions, not various character weaknesses that unfortunately Donald Trump has exhibited for a number of years. 
The American Space Agency, NASA, has just launched the most powerful rocket ever built. The 100-metre-tall vehicle blasted off on its debut flight from Florida's Kennedy Space Center to send an unmanned capsule around the moon. It's a test of the technologies that will take astronauts back to the lunar surface. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson explained the importance of the Artemis One mission. I got to talk to the Launch Control Center team. I said to them, you all are a part of a great legacy. And uh, this legacy is now taking us as we explore the heavens. And it didn't end with Apollo 17. But this time we're going back and we're going to learn a lot of what we have to and then we're going to Mars with humans. New research suggests that leprosy bacteria could hold the key to safely repairing and regenerating the human body. The BBC's Ali McConnell reports. Scientists at the University of Edinburgh carried out their experiments on armadillos, the only other animal to suffer from leprosy. They were surprised to find their livers showed no signs of cancer or defects, which might be expected with such rapid growth. It's not clear exactly how the process works, but the researchers say the leprosy bacteria appear to be able to rewind the developmental clock of liver cells, taking them back to an early stage at which they reproduce rapidly. If the process can be harnessed, it might offer hope of repairing damaged livers or reversing the ageing process. Police have arrested 46 people in a joint operation with Macau targeting a recruitment scam. In a press briefing, officers said the syndicate posted at advertisements on social media and major recruitment platforms, offering jobs paying high salaries and commission that required no experience or qualifications. The victims were purportedly asked to make online purchases under the pretext of boosting sales figures, with the money being transferred to the syndicate's bank accounts. Police said 131 victims from, from Hong Kong and Macau were conned out of a total of 7 million Hong Kong dollars. Ten men from Macau were arrested. Britain's annual inflation rate has hit 11.1%, the highest figure in more than 40 years. The surge has been driven by gas and electricity prices. The Finance Minister Jeremy Hunt said what he called tough but necessary decisions were required in response. He's due to outline a package of tax rises and spending cuts tomorrow. Sport now, and the president of world football's governing body, FIFA, has called for an end to hostilities in Ukraine ahead of the World Cup, which kicked off on Sunday. Gianni Infantino told world leaders at the G20 summit in Bali that he hoped the tournament could be a first step towards peace and appealed for a ceasefire in Russia's war against Ukraine during the tournament. Because football unites the world, this particular World Cup, with five billion people watching it, can be the trigger for a positive gesture, for a sign or a message of hope. Dear leaders, Russia hosted the last World Cup in 2018. Ukraine is bidding to host the World Cup in 2030. Maybe, maybe, maybe that the current World Cup starting in five days can really be that positive trigger. One of football's biggest names is set to miss the start of the World Cup in Qatar, Sadio Mane, the African Footballer of the Year, won't be fit in time for his country's opening match against the Netherlands on Monday. More from the BBC's Paul Saras. Sadio Mane will miss Senegal's first games at the World Cup because of a leg injury. The Bayern Munich forward was named in the squad for Qatar despite being forced off in a club game last week. The German champion said the 30-year-old had an injury to his right fibula. He doesn't, however, require surgery. 
Meanwhile, France skipper Hugo Lloris has confirmed that he won't join other European national team captains in wearing an anti-discrimination armband during the World Cup. He said he wanted to show respect to host nation Qatar. His comments echoed those made by French Football Federation President Noel Legray, who's opposed the initiative. The initiative was announced in September with Loris and England's Harry Kane among the captains of 10 European nations who were expected to wear the armband. Sports scientists are highlighting the lack of football kit specifically designed for women, saying the youth the use of male equipment could be putting them at greater risk of blisters, stress fractures, knee injuries and concussion. Researchers say more should be done to take into account women's needs and body shape. It's hoped many of the major manufacturers will develop boots specifically for women for the World Cup next year. Carlos Alcaraz will finish the year as the youngest ever tennis world number one. The 19-year-old's position at the top of the ATP rankings was confirmed after Rafael Nadal was eliminated from the Tour Finals in Turin. Nadal lost 6-3, 6-4 to Canada's Felix Olga Aliassim. In the same group, Norway's Kasper Ruud booked his place in the semi-finals after beating Taylor Fritz, and Novak Djokovic took on Andrei Rublev, beating him 6-4, 6-1 a short time ago. Next to cricket, and Moeen Ali says the international calendar is too congested. His England team is set to face Australia in a one-day international tomorrow, just four days after beating Pakistan to win the T20 World Cup. Ali says it's a huge challenge for the players. Yeah, I think that's pretty tough um, because, you, one, you, you, it's a very tiring process. I've been come from Pakistan just before the World Cup and then playing three T20s against, against Australia and then obviously playing the World Cup, and then you go straight into a series against Australia again. Um, it is pretty crazy, and um, and I know there's a lot of people out there who would probably say, you know, you're playing for England and all that, but it's it's tiring, and it's you want to always give hundred percent as much as you can, and sometimes um, it's not always that easy to do, you know, to turn up, uh, especially after winning a World Cup. Australia captain Pat Cummins has opted out of paying, playing in next year's India Premier League, citing the heavy international schedule. The Test and one-day skipper has played in the last three editions of the IPL with Kolkata Knight Riders. Meanwhile, new skipper Pat Cummins admitted Australia have a point to prove after their failure at the 2020 World Cup. Australia went into the World Cup as defending champions, but failed to go beyond the group phase. Australia face England in three one-days, starting in Adelaide before moving to Sydney on Saturday and then Melbourne three days later, the scene of England's five-wicket victory over Pakistan. And two veteran Major League Baseball managers have been honoured for taking their teams to the playoffs. Buck Showalter of the New York Mets has been named National League Player Manager of the Year and Terry Francona of the Cleveland Guardians is Manager of the Year in the American League. And a quick look at our top stories in the news program the I'm sorry the MTR gives more details of the metal barrier that hit a train on Sunday and the head of NATO says preliminary analysis of a strike in Poland indicates it was probably caused by Ukraine's air defences. The news from RTHK RTHK Radio It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple-colored curtains mark the end of day I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time 
indeed the dying embers of wednesday just a few minutes away from a brand new day here in hong kong and thanks ever so much for tuning in to twilight time with me peter king 45 minutes of music just to relax and chill out especially if you've had a bit of a long day if you'd like a song radio pete at gmail's email address as we start tonight's show with engelbert humperdinck Should I go or should I stay? The band had only one more song to play. And then I saw you at the corner of my eye. A little girl alone and so shy. La 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 